Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. We're so glad you're able to join us today. Um, this is the Discipleship Podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. It's brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. We encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Uh, today, sitting around the table is Matt Bates, Scott Slater, Tim Icoangeli, and I'm Spencer Snow. I'm not going to list our titles this week. Why not? Well, you know, sometimes we're just people. We're, we're not we really pastors. We're not pastors mm-hmm. yet. We're just guys sitting around the table. That's right. With our drinks, except for me. I got my hand lotion. You got your lotion. I got my hand lotion. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have said that. I don't care. I know. I you know, that's care. Good. You know that's I'm, good. I'm honest about my frailties. Um, <laughs> yeah. why, are are, why are you hiding it now? What are, what are some this of is your great frailties? stuff. <laughs> O'Keefe's. Yeah, they're sponsoring Sponsors. this episode. <laughs> O'Keefe's. So, I'm going to put some on right now. Actually, um, Today I want to talk about um, a class I did just yesterday um, in the early church history Sunday school class where we talked about going to church. What was it like to go to church in the early church, um, to attend a worship service. What did that involve? Um, because needless to say, it was different from the way we do church in certain ways. There are substantial um, similarities, things that have never changed in Christian worship, but there have been other things, ways, styles, um, things that have done been done differently throughout the, the history of the church. And so... It's just helpful to uh, examine how we do church and how people did it in the past, especially as regards worship services. Um, So what was it like to come into a church service um, in the early church? Well, first of all, one of the things that's important to be uh, reminded of is um, there was a a two-part basic structure to the service. There was the first part, which was the service of the word where you would come to church, you would show up, and you if you were interested in Christianity, uh, maybe you were being trained or um, being instructed and you knew you were gonna you were scheduled maybe to be baptized at some time um, or, or whatever, or if you're a believer in Christ and baptized, everyone was welcome to come to the service of the word part because this was a part where it was basically uh, greetings, scripture readings, and sermon. So really just teaching the Bible. Then there was a second part that was just for baptized believers um, called the service of, they, you know, the early church called the Lord's Supper the Eucharist. That was the term they used for it often. Uh, but it was the Lord's Supper. So they would pray and partake of the Lord's Supper then. So the first part involved scripture reading, singing of a psalm or a hymn, and preaching. And the latter part was more restricted to only to baptized believers and centered around the Lord's, the Lord's Supper. So I just want to talk a little bit together with you guys about a couple of aspects of early church worship, what they did. I think we'll see how it's different from our time today. And then um, talk about, you know, just, just kind of reflect upon that and chew on that for a little bit. Spencer, um, how do we know what they did back then? That's a good question. I would say probably, you know, there's, we're pulling from various uh, script from various <laughs> passages. One of the famous ones of uh, just telling us early on of what they did is from a guy named Justin Martyr, writing around like the 150s AD. So this is extra biblical. Outside the New okay. Testament. Right. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. So this is outside the New Testament. This is what Christians outside that period did. One of the earliest is from around 150. The Apostle John died around 90 or to 100. So this is 50 to 60 years, 70 years after he's gone. New Testament worship encompasses the same things that we do today. Scripture reading, Lord's Supper, sermon, Mm -hmm. prayer, uh, collection. Not taking an offering for the poor. Mm-hmm. It involved all those things. The elements. Yeah, the basic elements that we do today, they did back then. Um, so if you were to um, show up at the early church, um, one thing that would have been prominent in three different places, at least according to uh, one source I found, he lists three different scripture readings that would have been done. And again, there would have been variation and uh, differences in places, and this gradually developed. But one of the things that really hits you is he lists three different scripture readings, one from the Old Testament, 
another scripture reading from the New Testament, but basically from books of Acts to Revelation, and then another scripture reading that was from the Gospels. So you basically had a gospel read, an epistle, Acts to Revelation read, and one part from the Old Testament read mm -hmm. every Sunday. And it seems that large segments were read because Justin Martyr mentions in his description that we read the scriptures as long as time permits. So as much as they could get in, mm -hmm. they were reading it. And so scripture reading was very important. One church historian mm -hmm. says this, the scriptures were especially the focal point of the liturgical assembly. So the liturgy talking about the worship, the, the worship service, their gatherings where large segments were read. We've talked before on this podcast about public reading of scripture, about why it's important. Um, any further thoughts about what the early church was doing and why that was important to them to devote so much time to re just reading scripture in the church service? Was there any like central, were they all reading the same? Churches just did what they want on their own. So the church in Ephesus was reading something different than the other church. Sure, yeah. I, I mean, at this point, yeah, I would wrote, assume. You know? I would assume there was a lot of diversity. Yeah. But I don't know how, again, I don't know yeah. how quickly it became. there's not a ton of info, yeah. probably, at this yeah. point. I mean, it shows their reliance on the Word and yeah. the, their belief in the power of the Word, right, to accomplish right. what it sets forth mm -hmm. to accomplish. No need to fussy it up. Like, we're just going to read it. Right. And you're going to hear it. Yeah. Right. I mean, books weren't readable. Read, right. They weren't just there yeah. all over the place. Right. So mm -hmm. the people came to church to hear God's word being read. Mm -hmm. And that's the only place they were really going to hear it. Yeah. And so why not take as much time as we can to, to read this? You know, like, I mean, we have the privilege of daily reading now mm -hmm. where I have plans, you know, and read a chapter a day from different books and, you know, get to go through it. Maybe they had something similar mm -hmm. set up there. Like right. every day, every Sunday when you come, we're going to read five chapters of the gospel, five right. chapters of one of these books and some, you know, so many of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And we're going to work our way through it so that in a year, this is what you will have heard. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. they might have been that. Yeah. Right. I think eventually systematic. they call them lectionaries, mm -hmm. right, which some church yeah. traditions mm -hmm. will use. Um, and yeah, it seems like something like that developed mm -hmm. um, to where we're going to try to work our way through the Bible. And I'm assuming probably in conjunction with like Easter and Pentecost and, and celebrations mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. that as well. Mm -hmm. But I mean, they, they see the importance of that and they did that. Yeah. I'd be interested to know what his time limits was. Is it? Because you said he yeah. said, based if time permitted, what does that mean? Right. Maybe did they set a limit to the service? Like the service is only going to be sure. this long. Right. And so what we have in this is what we will do. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm, right. I'm, I'm not well, sure. And I don't, I'm, when was he live? Do you know? Who? Yeah. Justin Martyr. Justin Martyr, around 150. Okay. So he was in so the So this first. is after Nero. This is yeah. after the... Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My, my thoughts went back to how uh, people learned back mm -hmm. then. So I'm sorry if this is a little technical. But we today learn through sound bites, mm -hmm. as stupid as that is, like eight seconds of info yeah. that we can remember. Right. Like we don't even remember, we don't even memorize people's phone numbers anymore because we have, you know, cell phones, mobile devices that keep all that data for us. Sure. Back then, uh, stories, news, um, laws, conversation uh all was done audible audibly mm -hmm. so between here the hearer and the uh sayer mm -hmm. so our their brains back then weren't full of the eight second sound bites like they could they could grasp and remember longer strains of uh sure text or you know hearing yeah their what memory they, was they much their memory better. Was, yeah, all this to say, their memory was really good back then. Right. Uh, opposed to ours now. Just, but it's just because they, they're used to that. They practiced it. They, I mean, it was just kind of mm -hmm. part of life. So I, I think it's completely normal that they would read directly from Scripture. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe even just for the purpose that it's, that's the purest form of God's <laughs> voice. At the sure, time, and I'm assuming know? too, I mean... Uh, that's what they did in the Jewish synagogue, remember? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That's what they did. So much of this yeah. is also probably being influenced from the Jewish worship yeah. of I'm the not, time. Yeah, my other thought was uh, I'm not sure that many of them could read or write. Right. I, was, I mean, correct, yes. <laughs> right. Correct. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think, like, in our, comparing it to our services today, I mean, I would assume most churches in our circles of, like, a, a Southern Baptist church don't really have much focus on scripture readings. And people would ask, like, well, why, why are we doing that? Like, we should do things in church that I can't do by myself at home. Mm-hmm. But I think a sad reality is that actually people don't, mm-hmm. the majority of people don't read their Bibles at home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, I've actually, I've, I mean, we've, I think, in recent past, tried to incorporate as much mm-hmm. uh, Scripture reading as, as we have out of a conviction that our services should be centered around the Word. Mm-hmm. And it should have a, a prominent place in what we're doing. Yeah. And... Um, I think people have appreciated that. But it's just kind of, I guess, what I was getting at is that the more common something becomes, like everybody basically has a Bible on their phone. Right. They're all, they're not expensive like they were. You can buy one at the dollar store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or most places, you go to a church, they'll give you one for free. Mm-hmm. And But uh, it's become so common that mm-hmm. we don't value it as much, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I, think, I think it says something about... Um, it says a couple of things. For these, for the early church, it says something about what their religion was centered upon, the word. Mm-hmm. Also, it held the pastor accountable. Because if you're in a, um, a society that's much more illiterate, um, to read the scriptures publicly and then to have the pastor give a sermon on it, it holds him accountable to where it's like, okay, I see the text mm-hmm. that he's basing his sermon off of. Um, it holds pastors accountable, and it's actually helpful to the whole church at large to make sure that no one man can just make up whatever he wants to yeah. because we're all submitting to the word or we're supposed to right yeah. as a church we're we're underneath that authority <clears throat> of holy scripture and so i think that's one of the things you do see in the early churches they valued the bible and what's fascinating too is this, the the new testament was not put all together in one right. one book yeah. yet like they were reading the old testament from the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the of the Old Testament, and then gradually as they got their collection copies of, of yeah, like Paul's they, they might have a collection of Paul's letters, or, or we've got a yeah. collection of the Gospels here, right? Um, and we're going to read from those um, every every Sunday. Really, really helpful. The second part that uh, we we kind of really went through, hammered through in the Sunday school lesson, was talking about what music was like in the early church. They would sing psalms or hymns, and one of the things that we played in in this class mm-hmm. was this example of what Greek music may have kind of sounded like, uh, pagan music outside of the church, and we played it for the class. And it's very odd. You mm-hmm. can you can go online and find it probably. Um, and it sounds like uh, you're gonna find it on your. I kind of want to. Yeah. Do you know what it's called? If you type, I'm gonna Google Greek pagan music. If you go to release, <laughs> if you to go to a religious affections ministries, and they have a thing on like early church hymns, there's a link there that plays. Um, oh, I archived your email. Um, anyway, <laughs> it has a little link there, and it plays an example of Greek music, and it's very odd sounding. Um, I had to take a class in college, I remember, on music. Mm-hmm. It, I had a CD, and I remember it was like, I think it was sound bites, though, more yeah, so than yeah. things, but it was like, I can't remember how many You had things. to give the artist, or the... Yeah, there were so the, many things, yeah. like chants, yeah. stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. I remember having to, you had to be able to recognize it, yeah. what it was, or whatever, when, maybe. Or yeah, yeah. I can't recall. In music history, we had, to, we had to memorize it. We had to know what it was by the first five seconds. Yeah, I don't know. They would that. only play the first. I remember it was easy. I remember, remember, I remember thinking this is pretty easy, and it was it was interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, that's it. Well, you probably man might have to just splice something in. You're not gonna hear that. But it is. Yeah, you'll hear. Kind of reminds me of bagpipes. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a type of bagpipe. Is it? Yeah. Man, I know my stuff with music. <laughs> you do. I'm on the top of things. Yeah, so they're gonna recapitulate this at the end, probably. The end will be better than the beginning. Yeah, so you're hearing a drum, you're hearing tambourines and cymbals. Yeah. So would they sing? Would they thing? would they sing to this, or was it just that? Do I don't get, know do you, honestly. Because oh, that was that. the pagan thing you said. Yeah, yeah. I don't know honestly if they would have sung to something like that. Probably. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you went to like a like a the equivalent to our bar or or whatever. Right. Like I'm sure there was people putting words to melodies. Yeah. Right. I'm sure they knew. Okay, I, I'm going back to like Scottish 
But like there was a lot of melodies that were known to pretty much a lot of mm-hmm. common melodies. Common melodies, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Everyone know? knew. It's still that way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of our hymns that are in our, you know, our yeah. hymnal that have secular words, right? Right. That we put in a lot of Christian way, words. In too. a lot of ways, yeah, because that music back then was more was a uh, was more it, it was people's music, but also it was shared melodies. Mm-hmm. We we are so yeah. used yeah. to living in a commercialized music right. society right. where. Mm-hmm. There are certain songs that we listen to, we can't think of anybody else singing it. Right. But because Correct. it's so branded yep. to mm-hmm. that one person. Yep. But that was different from from music from the ancient yep. times, which is more shared well, and communal um, yeah. tunes yeah. to a large extent. I will even say that that, that that phenomenon has been going on since the early 1900s. To where if you wanted to hear music, you had to go somewhere. Right, and then even the people that were writing like symphonies, uh, like Johann Brahm, Brahms, mm-hmm. and uh, you know even Beethoven, they would take common melodies. Mm. Uh, Mahler, who was Jewish, would take a lot of the uh, the melodies of the the Hebrew, Hebrews mm. and put it in his symphonies. Right. So like even even that was I mean that's back in the uh, late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. Sure. But then you get you get to the point where uh, we invent the like the recording devices, right. and then the record player, um, to where you're recording music and you can play it back. That's kind of when that phenomenon started, for right. sure. Right, right, yeah. Like you could even you could even identify like okay, this is you know Beethoven's fifth played by this symphony, group sure, sure, because of the way they played it. Right, right. To where like now like. If you heard like the Beatles, uh, I don't know what song. Hey uh, Jude. You know, Hey Jude. <laughs> yeah, like you can listen to them singing Hey Jude, and then you can listen to a cover band sing Hey Jude. And you're right. like, oh, that's the same that's song. Different. But that's definitely not the Beatles. It's not the Beatles. Yeah. Yeah. Beatles version. <clears throat> so, anyways, yeah. I, I don't even know where I was going. <laughs> Sorry. You're kind of yeah. You kind of. <laughs> this is a chance for Matt to show uh, his. Uh, the hidden music theorist and historian inside his body, and apparently we found <laughs> no. out from Tim, he's he's a musician in an athlete's body. In an athlete's yeah. body, I mean, <laughs> he's got the, there's an athlete body. There's, a, there's a hidden musician, an artsy person. There's no, a hidden no, choir boy so inside this guy. <laughs> inside artsy this. person doesn't describe me at all. There's a, it's hidden deep down in there. We're deep. gonna summon it forth. You have gotten a lot better at like, bringing out like the hymns. That you remember, oh, huh. like like even in the, in, <laughs> yes. the, in the Wednesday devotions, like you mention hymns, yeah. and even in sermons, sometimes you mention the hymns that so we it's use. Not I dislike music at all. So as you yeah. get older, people kind of softening up a little bit. It's okay. Sure, it's okay. <laughs> Whatever. All right. Um, <laughs> Where were we? All right. So songs. Let's just do a couple of things. One of the things that was interesting was um, the early church really sang the psalms a lot. I uh, wish we did that more. They really I'll be honest. I wish I wish we sang psalms. Yeah, they were. I mean, it's fascinating to read. I've got a I have a, a, a small book, but it's it's the the use of the psalms in the history of the church. And yeah, the psalm singing was just like part and parcel of New Test of worship for these churches. It's interesting. Um, there was one heretic, Marcion, who said we should get rid of the whole Old Testament because that God's different. Right. And it could have also been a partial reason why they sang the psalms, as well as to kind of stick it to him. <laughs> they can say, well, this is our God. Actually, we're going to sing the Old <laughs> yeah. Testament. Mm-hmm. Second yeah. of all, it was the, the music was more chant like. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there was no harmony. In the new te- in the in the churches, they yeah. they sing and just chant, and also generally speaking, you want me to play that other clip? What does that mean? I don't I don't I don't think I know like, what that means. I, 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 so, so there's no parts. Define harmony. Harmony would be like as if there's there's multiple parts. Yeah, I understand yeah. that, but like one time. so chant Every, is just well chant. It's more uh, they only it's more bass. rhythmic than it is melodic. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to hear the difference. You can. He can play it yeah. for yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, we don't. Have to play it. No, it's, okay. <laughs> I mean, you heard it on Sunday morning. What? No, I wasn't in there when you guys played this. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I was in my office, but I could hear it. Oh, we looked at the wrong email. Hang on. <laughs> That's more melodic. Yeah, I was gonna say that it sounds very. Yeah, this would be. Okay. 
That's chanting. So there's three notes there. Yeah. There's four notes. Four different notes there. So it's pretty. Standing in the kitchen in the alley, church music. So does it say that they would sing together these things, or was it, it seems just like, like sometimes the scriptures would be chanted instead of read by the public yeah. reader? Okay, and just by the public reader. Yeah, but also if they sing it together, the Greek they, Orthodox Church only reads scripture chanting. Chanting it. One of the differences too is, and this is a really big difference, is whereas we construct a melody and take words and try to get the words to fit the melody. Mm -hmm. Right. Chant allows you to let the words dictate the, the music. Yeah. The, the yep. music is entirely subservient. So they yeah. would not have had like, there would right. have been like no, uh, no chorus, no mm -hmm. refrain, mm -hmm. because you're just yeah. reading scripture. Right. Straight through. Yeah, so there's not a piece, there's not a part of it that you go back to and repeat. <clears throat> right. And, and last. That's kind of nice. Yeah, so that's, that's another thing. <laughs> it's harder to memorize. It's <laughs> all right. La lastly, generally speaking, they condemned the use of instruments in the early church. Uh -huh. um, partially because of associations with pagan music. Yeah. You can think about right. what we think about as sex, drugs, and rock and yeah, roll. Yeah, exactly. And then also, there was this, at least some people argued, that just like we don't require circumcision, we don't do sacrifices mm -hmm. like the Jews did, we also don't use instruments. So they kind of lumped, they lumped it in together with that whole Old Testament economy and the Old Testament said, we don't do that stuff in light of Christ. Because Christ has come, we sing only with our voice. So was there any, uh, again, we're yeah. acting like you're an expert on this and you I've not studied on it to for be one week. Here. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, I know, I know. But I just wonder, um, one of the big things I hear now when it comes to worship is being creative. And like you mentioned artsy a little bit ago, where there's this idea that our God is creative. He made us in his image. Therefore, we should be creative. And that gives us freedom in our worship to be creative. And I, uh, I wonder if that was even a thought in this early church. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. creativity. Yeah. They just wanted to be biblical, it sounds like. Right. Well, they were actually, if they would err on one side, they would say, we would rather have no creativity and complete simplicity. St. Augustine said this, right? Early church father said this. The, that mode seems to me safer, which I remember to have been often told me of Athanasius, Bishop of Alexandria, who made the reader of the psalm utter it with so slight inflection of voice that it was nearer speaking than singing. So Augustine's saying, and he's right. praising this, I would rather it be closer to speaking than singing. And he was very concerned about... Um, the use of music that where the the tune could overpower the words mm -hmm. they were so concerned about that so this is a personal thing i just i feel like that would be accurate in my in my opinion i would rather err on that caution than go the other way sure sure because i think what you see with the creative thing is it very easy becomes about you mm -hmm. more yeah. so than what you are worshiping sure. and we just got to be i i would want to be careful with that if I really want to honor the Lord and it's about him that I'm not trying to bring Tim into it. And I guess a way that I would compare that is like when I preach sermons, I try, I try very hard not to talk much about my life mm -hmm. or even bring examples about my life. I mean, I know I do sometimes, mm -hmm. um, but I, I try to make it about me as little as possible. I mean, obviously your personality is going to come out in some yeah. different things, but even in that they were trying to get rid of all personality. Yeah, like I don't want your personality. And I mm -hmm. guess I would say I would tend to want to uh, listen and be with people who would err that way than the other way just because of the danger right. of it to where now we want to emphasize, no, our God is alive and he's made us alive and we want to be alive and we want to show it. Sure. We, want, we want it to be a party. We want it to be extremely exciting to show that Christians aren't boring, but it seems like it errs to me <laughs> in that way, yeah. just the danger of it. Right. I, and I think... The one thing is we don't want to say that the early church post-New Testament is our standard. But at no, the same, yeah, time, yeah, but no, at the no, same no. time, I do think there is a general concern that they have, which is a helpful thing for us to reflect upon in our right. setting. Because right. they, were, they were super concerned about this. Like mm -hmm. the, it's fascinating, too. There's only two complete works from the early church fathers on music. Augustine wrote one and another guy wrote one. So what that shows you, though, is... Whereas for us, if you were to ask many people, 
how was the worship today? They would say the band played awesome. Right. But, and so because what in our current cultural setting, the music has been elevated to a, a huge role. Mm -hmm. um, for them, it appears that the only thing that they were concerned about with music is don't let it get out of control at all. They were just really concerned about making it very simple, no instruments. And I do think in some ways we might be surprised with simplicity that whenever people are able to show up and get rid of all the noise around us, like we're on Twitter, mm -hmm. on listening to all sorts of buzzing around us, and all of a sudden it's just the clarity of the scripture plainly spoken or sung in a, in a, sure. in a, in a simple but yet uh, solid way. I don't know. I think that that actually can be attractive to people to cut through all the noise mm -hmm. of the world around us. I don't know. Yeah. Just think it's worth for reflection. I thought about this a lot, <clears throat> maybe obviously, but um, the kind of the analogy or, or visual that I tend to go to is that if God created us to bring glory to himself in our creativity, we kind of do the same thing. That we can, we can take our creativity to the point where we want the glory for it. And I think that's to the point uh, where in the culture that we're in is like that's the pride of the worship team now mm. is to have the best music, mm. is to have the best sounding, best, you know, in tune, best singers, to be the, you know, the best tight, tightest band. Right. right. Worship band, you know, and like that is not worshiping God. And that's 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 where I take it to, right. and and I think that's the battle that they were having too. I think they really could see that if yeah, if we allow man to be creative, I mean yeah, that's a gift from God, but in so doing that, the man does get glory. And there's also a difference between being creative outside of church. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Know, like, we're not I'm just talking about inside right. the so, church. So, yeah. So I mean, like, yeah. we're not saying, <clears throat> yeah. you know, like, like David danced. Right. David you know, played like, his lute, and there was like, there's great music. You know, instituted like, instruments and singing. Yeah. And simple worship. He did do that. That's right. And um, <laughs> <laughs> but you're right in your private worship, and then, yeah, but then in corporate worship. Right. And when I say private worship, I just mean your life. And so, yeah. God. Right. Yeah, he did make you creative. Right. He made you in there. And so you're going to be, right. yeah. that's going to show in your right. life, yeah. obviously. Right. Write songs right. about God. Yeah, right. and how you like, worship. Yeah. He gave us Merle Haggard <laughs> in his, you know, Common Grace. <laughs> common Grace. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny Cash. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. No instruments in church, <laughs> but in your personal life, Merle Haggard. We're not saying that. We're not I know we're saying. No, I think that's a good point, though. We're not, I'm not saying we shouldn't have instruments or we shouldn't sing songs other than the psalms or whatever right, like right. I, I we do that uh i just you just do need to be careful and really think well, and think yeah. through it and right um and some of it i, I would I, rather err yeah to be more boring i guess would be what people are thinking i, I wouldn't than, say boring i, I know but say I think simple a, but i think that's what I people think are simple thinking. is the, right. the better yeah. word to use well, i mean when you think of I, I think it really get for me it gets really clarified when you boil it down to why like mm -hmm. what's the purpose mm -hmm. yeah. of singing mm -hmm. and when they were singing the scriptures, it was to teach right. one another. It was to build one another up in mm -hmm. unity yeah. around yep. God's word. Yep. And it was for teaching. And I think there's people can try to weave in arguments of like, well, yeah, but you can teach people through creativity. And the more mm -hmm. memorable you make it, the better. The, not necessarily. Sure. Um, right. You know, and... Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think, and it's not, mm -hmm. so when you think about the fact that the music at church is not about producing a certain feeling or emotion, mm -hmm. but it is about teaching certain truths uh, to people, I think that's, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, that changes a little bit of your perspective mm -hmm. of like, what are we trying to do? Why would we do it? It doesn't mean that you yeah. don't make it pleasant sure. mm -hmm. to listen to or yeah. memorable sure. uh, to listen to in that way. Um, but I think you what, guys were talking about this the other day, but like, People that write songs know the psychology of writing a song. Mm -hmm. They know what gets stuck in your brain. Mm -hmm. They know how to manipulate in yeah, so, so doing that. <laughs> so there's a TV show where people will come on and they have wrote a song. Mm -hmm. And they will come and they will sing it to three producers, yeah. famous producers yeah, right yeah, now, yeah, yeah. and an artist who... Yeah. 
is going to pick one and put it on their album. Yeah. And by the time that song ends, like after the show, it's a completely new song. Completely and the reason different. is, is like you need a tagline that everyone's going to remember. Right. That's the most important thing of this. Right. You need a chorus. Exactly. Like, you know, and the person's like, yeah, but this really came from a place where yeah. I wrote this, and they're like, yeah, I don't care. I'm trying yeah. to sell albums here. Yeah. I'm trying to get it yeah. in people's heads. Yeah. You know, and they yeah. they just totally right. change it. And right. so that's a different strategy right. than for what we want. Right. Sure. On Sunday exactly. morning, as we yeah. as we worship, that's God. psychologically right. driven. Yeah, and not biblically yeah. driven. Yeah. And I mean, just to show yeah. people, like, <clears throat> I'm not a fuddy duddy with it. Preaching through Ephesians right now, and we're in Ephesians two, and we were in the section uh, one through seven or something like that. It talks about but God. There's a song by Big Daddy Weave called "Alive" mm-hmm. that is all about this little section, yeah. and it's a good it's a good song. It has good words. It talks about being brought from death to life in mm-hmm. Christ, all this stuff, and. There are some who would say, we should sing that at church. And it's like, eh, we can't really. It doesn't really fit well with us singing together mm-hmm. and not having a band right now and stuff. You know, and eh, I don't know. It's awesome out here. Like, I love it. Yeah. Sure. But over here, sure. eh, I don't know if it finds mm-hmm. its place here. And there's just a difference. Yeah. You know, it's not that it's bad. It's not that it's wrong. Yep. It's right. just, right. its purpose is over here. Right. Yeah. It's serving its purpose. Right. You know, sure. let it let it serve its purpose yep. and enjoy it. Yep. You know, Absolutely. I, it's just... Yeah, that needs to be said. That's a good. It's a good discussion. So, what about the sermon in the old? I see you have a section here on sermon. Yeah, do they talk a lot about um, the preaching aspect of how long or like? I didn't read a lot about that honestly. You can read early church sermons a lot. This picture in the handout is by a guy named is John Chrysostom. Mm-hmm. He's one of like the most famous preachers in the early church, mm-hmm. and you can still go online and read his sermons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure what like the average sermon length would have been like uh, back then. Uh, what, interesting though about preaching, whereas today the, our custom and our culture is to have the teacher stand and the student and the people who are listening sit. It was flipped in the ancient world. There would have been no pews. You would have everyone would have stood um, for the sermon, and the teacher would have sat in the chair, just like you read Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, he goes up on the mountain and sits. This is a, the sitting position of a teacher, and his disciples come to him. But So whenever you sit, you're the teacher. And so that's one logistical difference um, that people, it's just helpful to get in there. That's interesting because that doesn't make sense to me. Mm. Yeah. It seems like they should stand and everybody else sit more so they can hear. So they could right. hear the person. If everyone's yeah. standing and that guy's sitting and be like, I'm in the back, I can hear what he's saying. I don't, can you I, see him? I don't know if it was a respect thing, you know, like where yeah. oh, like somebody sure, yeah. comes, I don't know. Because mm-hmm. they also stood during prayer. Mm-hmm. That was the posture for praying was the Lord's Supper. You receive the Lord's Supper, I think, standing up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and those are just cultural differences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a custom thing. Right. But, uh, but yeah, it's just fascinating to note just a different way they they did that. I'm not sure though about average sermon length and and just stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, was everyone standing in the Colosseum when they did stuff in the Colosseum? That's a good question. Did they have I do seats not know. There? I do not know. Huh? It would have been very uncomfortable. I, I, yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been very uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> lastly, I want to talk real quick about baptism. So, first part of the service, service of the word. Everyone can stay. The latter part, which would have been the Lord's Supper, was only for baptized believers. And the early church took baptism very seriously. Um, it was a big deal. And um, in fact, there was a group of people called catechumens. You may have heard the word catechism or catechesis or other terms that sound like that. Um, a catechumen is a person who is being prepared and instructed for baptism. They're being taught the Christian faith. And that was in the early church. There were people called catechumens because they were being instructed in the Christian faith and being prepared for baptism. And this preparation could last like three years. So we're not talking about like, a, you know, a couple weeks of prep or whatever. You're, you're getting serious instruction for years before you take the final step of becoming a full initiated member of the church. Um, which is, which is another interesting uh, di- difference. The church grew with this kind of uh, training happening um, in the midst of it. Also, th- they believed at some level um, that baptism washed away your sin. 
that you had committed prior to baptism. They did believe that it sanctified the baptized person by conferring a spiritual union with Christ upon them. They were given the gift of the Spirit. They were adopted as God's child. And they believed baptism impressed a seal, a permanent mark on their soul, which marked the baptized person as a set-apart temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, would they do this during, um, would they do baptisms during their worship service? Do you know? Was that part of that? or was it I don't know. Separate? I think it, I looked online about the period. It seems like, you know, baptism was really popular to be done, like, especially during Easter and Pentecost. It's interesting to point out, um, at least it's in this, at least in some instances, I don't know how diverse this was, but um, the earliest, like, for instance, you'll notice there's a chart there of the earliest one of, one of the earliest church buildings that we have. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice there's a big room for the assembly. There's right. a courtyard. There's a teaching area. And then there's this tiny little room to the side that's yeah. a baptistry. It can't be seen. Right. It's a private room. Other room. Yeah. So and the reason was is because you were baptized naked in mm-hmm. the early church, at least in some instances in, these, in some of these churches. So you weren't baptized in front of the congregation. Um, so, whereas we do that, mm-hmm. this would have not happened. Um, you would have been brought in. There would have been a ceremony where you would have renounced Satan, turning away from your sins, symbolizing that, believing in God. You would have been immersed, or however they did it, three times, come out anointed, put on white garments, symbolizing your new status, mm-hmm. and uh, welcomed into the family of God. Um so yeah, just some of the logistics even were mm. different. What it meant mm. to be baptized was different um, because it, it, it just it's, it was just a lot different. That was one of the things I think uh, is is helpful to when you look at this. You're just like, wow, this is this is a different world. Mm. So it seems like they wouldn't in. have thought baptism uh, is what saved you for eternal salvation. It seems to me that way, and how you're describing it. I mean, they might have said some things about baptism yeah. that maybe we wouldn't. But if it was a three-year process, what are they doing in the three years if they die? Sure. Well, and they, they weren't would, baptized yet. Yeah, they would say that that's still so. If they, those people would still be saved, right? So yeah. that's what I mean. They're not saying that by you're not saved. You know, I, I don't know if saved is the right word, but you're not yeah. going to heaven. I guess mm-hmm. if you. Until baptism happens. Right. You could still be saved before that, but... Um, but they couldn't partake in the Lord. You couldn't be the, uh, the Lord's the Supper. You couldn't they, be well, they put a high priority on baptism, right. which right. is interesting to me because I think as Baptists, we put a low... As Baptists, we put a low priority on mm-hmm. baptism. We do now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We haven't always. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. And we seem to put a lower, a lower one um, of what it means, you know, where... Sometimes just willy nilly would baptize people mm. without really any real knowledge of what's what's happening or what's going on in their life, and to know mm. something, you sure. know, to test, to test or to prove, right. you know, what is God doing in your life or what do you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. At least that's what I've I've been accustomed to uh-huh. and sure. seen in yeah. a lot of churches. Yeah. Would this been a, because of that? Because of the catechumen period? Would this been a would have this been before? They began the practice of infant baptism because if they have to do this catechumen thing, right. they have to wait till they're old enough to well, understand. And that's the question. That's a that's like a million dollar question, I think, probably mm. too. Because you just want a million dollars. <laughs> because you know, I mean, already only if you answer it. There, oh, I say no. we, there's one early church theologian, Origen, mm-hmm. who grew up in a Christian home. He's born around 180, and he says, at least he he says we baptize babies, and this is what we've done from the apostles. So I'm just saying, like, that's very early on. Mm-hmm. And also another guy, Tertullian, in like the 200s, came out against infant baptism, not because he didn't think it was baptism, but I think he just thought it would be wiser to delay it. Now, it's interesting. The fact that they believed that it would wash away your sin and give you new life acted in two different ways. On the one hand, it could push people to infant baptism because... Um, and I don't know if this is why it happened, but I'm just saying the world they were living in is infant mortality was much greater than it is today. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't make sense, perhaps, if people thought, well, we need to do this because we know this is a good thing and we want our child to depart with the blessing of God upon them. If there's some kind of sanctifying benefit sure. in this, mm-hmm. then... Sure. Yeah. And on the other hand, it also pushed people to delay their baptisms. 
to where I think Constantine was baptized on his deathbed um, because people were saying, well, you need to go through youth because you're going to have, you know, you're going to have those hormones. Get all your sin, get all your sin taken care yeah. of. Get the sin in before you, and get, before you get baptized. <laughs> and so we can wash those sins yeah. away as well. Sure. So now, would they do, is there being baptized multiple times? No. You Unless yeah. you're baptized by a heretic. Okay. Then you don't but there's no sin. There's no. I mean, unless you're baptized by a heretic, or perhaps maybe by somebody who wasn't authorized. Hmm. Um, I don't know. You know, like, I guess maybe that would be a heretic, or uh, mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. also controversies about that. But yeah, no. It seems like it was understood as like this is a one-time deal. Um, so the oh. yeah. so the people who thought it just it just washed prior sins away, right? And you could be brought back in. There was the and the, and again, right? There's problems with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but then you would have penance. You could uh -huh. mm -hmm. you could be brought back in, um, and, and such like that. Um, yeah. Again, yeah. I think one of the neat things though is you're seeing our last podcast. We talked about theology and how these questions would come up over right. time as they went more. And that's what kind of what you're seeing too. I yeah. think with baptism, right? You know, they were doing the best that they understood, right. but more questions would come up. Sure. Like I just asked, like right. if it washed away the prior sins, what about the ones right. after? Right. right. Well, okay. Well, what are right. we going to do with that? Let's right. think about that. Right. What is scripture saying yeah. though and here? Different people in different places. Cause we also talked yeah. about how at this time, Christianity was no longer just in Israel mm -hmm. yeah. right. in that area. It uh -huh. was in France right. Right. and all this. And so right. people in France would have no idea what was going on right. over in Israel, right. you know, and things like that. And so you have different traditions that would pop up. Mm -hmm. so like at this time, there is no, unified practice across all of Christian, mm -hmm. Christendom. Mm -hmm. right? Right. And right, this is right. before, what was it, like around 300 or whatever, where the Roman uh, government... Constantine. Right, yeah, with Constantine, and it became part of the state. And then you see more unity, I would say, of them coming together. So this is before mm -hmm. that time. Mm -hmm. There's right. still a lot of persecution. There's still the crazy people. Mm -hmm. Sure. Right? Sure. It is amazing how much uniformity there is. Mm -hmm. There was a definite... Mm -hmm. um, small c catholicity of spirit mm -hmm. but yeah no there there it did it did change somewhat um under constantine now again though it's still interesting even under that you've got people who grow up in christian homes like augustine um like gregory i think of nazianzus people who grew up in christian homes but were not baptized in that time even till later on in life mm -hmm. um and yet you'll have those same people like augustine argue for infant baptism and so, like, that's the million-dollar question is when did this start? How did this happen? What was the original basis for it? Um, and how did they understand this whole thing? Um, but it's just not documented. It's not. Yeah, the yeah. evidence is yeah. very, mm -hmm. you know, you have to pick and that's where you have to go back to the Bible. Because, mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting. You talk to people about um, baptizing infants versus believers only baptism and if you just look at the history of the early church probably both sides are going to pick and choose whatever evidence fits themselves <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Sure. because from, the evidence is yeah. mixed yeah even from the same person they'll yeah. use the same person to argue their own correct <laughs> and so instead we say it what it is um, and that's what I was trying to do in the class is just say not what we should do right. but what simply happened yeah the history the history <laughs> this is what happened yeah. um, and then but then that, that ultimately then drives us back to the text of scripture mm -hmm. because even these early church fathers would have never said simply do it because we do it they would ultimately want us to yeah. to root it in the text of scripture themselves right. i mm -hmm. think as well i will say it's fascinating if you look at like the layout of the church i mean all those same basic things still exist today mm. yeah it's like Similar. we still we have a four-year there is a sanctuary there's a fellowship hall you know it's yeah. just it's awesome. there's the sunday school yeah there's sunday school <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't see the restroom but um it's the tree in the back oh yeah. it's the tree in the back. That guy, oh, there it that is that guy going up the stairs yeah, right he's there. going up there. That's, that's, that's what he's doing okay. right there. there's a coffee pot there i don't see it no that's in the foyer that's, that's in the, that's in the foyer that's, in the, that's the holy water you would put <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. So then in our in our denomination, Southern Baptist denomination with baptism, I mean our the Baptist Faith and Message two thousand or whatever would state that uh, you know, it's a symbol of what what God has done. Mm -hmm. Actually, it doesn't say that. Uh, I should pull it up maybe to read it exactly. But it's uh, they use the word symbol. Yeah, symbol they do, but it, it's about about more of what Christ about you. No, it's more oh, really? about Yeah. Uh, I'd have to look at it. It's on, I mean, it's on, on our website. website. It's on the website. Yeah. Yeah. It's on the website. <laughs> I pulled it up yesterday and was looking at it. But um, 
in order to take Lord's Supper, the Baptist faith, the message says you need to be a baptized. It's a, a prerequisite. Baptized yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Yeah. Sure. A baptized believer in right. order to, to partake. Um, and what does it say? Scott says, Christian baptism is the immersion of a believer in water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's an act of obedience symbolizing the believer's faith yeah, in a see. crucified, buried, and risen Savior, the believer's death to sin, the burial of the old life, and the resurrection to walk in newness of life in Christ Jesus. It is a testimony to his faith in the final resurrection of the dead. Being a church ordinance, it is prerequisite to the privileges mm -hmm. of church membership and to the Lord's yeah. Supper. Yeah. The Lord's Supper... Well, then it goes into Lord's yeah. Supper. But. So it makes it a little more about what you have done. Yeah, the, the faith that saying. you have put in instead of yeah. instead of maybe um, uh, saying this is what God has done for me. Yeah. This is what God has done. Yeah. This is you know God has allowed me to be a part of His family, mm -hmm. His kingdom. It, it make it kind of reverses it a little yeah. bit. I think I think yeah. it means maybe the same thing, but. Uh, you, maybe yeah. a different language emphasis. matters, but language yeah. does matter. Yeah, so, or, or pers perspective. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. but like taking the, the the plain fact about saying it's a prerequisite does show um, con continuity with the early church of taking baptism seriously as the yeah. as the external initiation mm -hmm. rite mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. the church, and so there is continuity yeah. there. But um, I still would encourage like parents, and we've had to do this yeah. even recently. I would encourage parents to to not take lightly what the early church did of saying. We took some years to right. catechize them, to train up not just kids but adults right. to understand what sure. this faith means. And again, because of, of our understanding right. of Scripture or baptism, it doesn't save right. you. And so right. you don't have to fear as a parent, well, my kid wasn't baptized, so no, they're probably going to hell if they die before they get baptized. No, we're not saying that. Mm -hmm. But it would be wise to train them, wise to help them to understand why they are walking into that baptistry right. and what it means and what it means as a church body, you know, mm -hmm. a local church body of being baptized believers, right? Um, yeah. Not only is that child or whoever being baptized for that matter, not only do they understand what salvation is, do they understand what it means to be a member of a church? A member of a church, right. And, and I had a, sadly, I mean, I had a conversation with a guy kind of texting. He wanted to be baptized here. And it was like, well, I don't normally just baptize outside people of the church. We baptize yeah. people um, because of their faith in Christ, and we know that and had a chance to talk to them. But also, they are joining the church yeah. body to be a part of this. And it was interesting because that guy took it as me wanting to increase the church through baptism. Mm -hmm. hmm. And I said, no, it has nothing to do with me. Hmm. But we're also not saved apart from church life like right. you're in the church and right. there was a misunderstanding obviously on his part of what that meant sure. and what i meant but it makes it serious like you said right. to, you yeah. need to know this you're going to be you're part of this church and what right. that means it's what a, your role it's a is foreign concept in yeah. scripture to be baptized and not to become part of the church right an ongoing mm -hmm. part of the life of the church and that means a local church like yeah. yes the big church in general yeah but you're being baptized into this you church with this pastor well. and elders right. and leadership you know what right. I mean? you can't be committed to the big church if you're not committed to the local church yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh -huh. uh, that's you you're committed to the big church by being committed to the local mm -hmm. church mm -hmm. and also you talk about that connection between baptism and the local church and you saw that even in this ceremony where right after you're baptized you're put in white garments and you go directly to the first communion mm -hmm. that's just an interesting thing the early church yeah. did tying directly not simply is this a one-off out here baptism but it's a transition mm -hmm. point right into the life of the church mm -hmm. um, and you're welcomed in um, to partake of uh, so, so they, it, wasn't, it was a part of the service then baptism you, well, yeah, well, it was the same the two. Yeah, yeah, it was like a yeah, separate yeah. thing here, and then it's like special, yeah. especially around Easter and Pentecost. You could imagine the, the, um, the special sense that people would sure. have had Christ's resurrection and all that stuff, mm -hmm. and and here are these people come newly clad in white, having been. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's just it was it was a, a, an interesting thing. I think that we can learn from. Doesn't mean we have to copy them, but we sure. it definitely um, is a perspective that I think is worthy of consideration and further thought. So, so they partook of the Eucharist every meeting. Yeah, it seems like that was part and parcel of it. I don't know whenever it became less frequent, but yeah, hmm. yeah. And the whole church service would have taken around if you were there the whole time around three hours. Yeah. So yeah. I think it, uh, I think it would have become less frequent after the Reformation. Mm. 
I mean, because as as time went on, the Catholic Church in me was every single mm-hmm. it was every right. single week. Right. It's funny you talk about three hours because I think that's how long our service takes. If you really take it all together, if you count Sunday school, right? Like we sure. want you to be here for Sunday school yeah. at nine for teaching, right? And for a time of assembling together, and then we kind of transition to a different time, mm-hmm. but. From nine to noon is like almost three hours that we would expect. I mean, so you could look at that and say, "Man, that's right. a long time." I can't imagine being in service for three hours. Yeah, yeah, kind of. We actually, and, yeah, yeah and you were standing. And yeah, I mean, there are there are hindrances there, but and we really want to yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, sure, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, okay, good. Well, thanks so much for chatting about this, guys. I hope it's been helpful for you back at home um, to think about this and to reflect upon what worship was like for the early church and what we can learn from them. Um, today we should start baptizing people in between Sunday school and service. Sure. Wow. Squirt them a squirt gun. Second. <laughs> wow. Well, I don't know what the early fathers will already need to go Mike. All right. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We better sign off on the note. Take care. God bless.